This is Weekdays on BYU-Idaho Radio. I'm Noah Farley. Today, I have an interview with Thomas Heuser, the music director for the Idaho Falls Symphony. We talk about the symphony's current season, fantasy, and folklore. We're focusing on the ability of music to tell a story this year at the Idaho Falls Symphony. So all of our concerts have an element of fantasy, folklore, storytelling, and we're hoping that with all of these stories, audiences can connect with the music in a special way, following those storylines and really trying to let the music tell the story this year. I like that. I I read on the website that each concert features stories told through music, some with narration and some with film. How exactly does that work? Well, that's right. So whether we have a narrator or there are scenes from a movie being portrayed on the screen, there will be sort of extra musical components that inform how the audience can interpret those musical stories. For example, uh, the concert coming up in October is a new piece called uh, The Rose of Sonora, which is a, a violin concerto in five scenes. And those scenes are narrated by a narrator, and that will sort of guide the listener's thinking. Another example is in February, we have a concert called Symphony for Our World. It's a National Geographic film where the symphony will be playing the soundtrack to the movie live in, for the audiences. So whether it's that narrative element or there's the visual element, we think that that will complement and really enhance the experience of the live music. As I was looking over the website, it just seems like everything was so elaborate and so well thought of. How long have you been preparing for the symphony season? That's right. It does take a lot of planning, and I appreciate you recognizing that. It really is there's something about the planning process that I love. You know, we finally have a chance to bring these concerts to life after so many months of planning. Usually a season takes about a year's worth of preparation where we have, you know, concepts presented to our board of directors, the musicians have some input, and we make sure that it all, we can pay for everything, etc. But really that process begins at the beginning of each year in January or February, and then we get the tickets on sale in the summer. So it's been a long time coming. You're right, that intricacy of each program, there's so much on offer. I think for audiences of all types, whether you're new to the symphony or returning after many years, there's something for everyone this year. Has the Idaho Falls Symphony ever done something like this before? Well, you know, it's true that on every concert, and really with every piece of music, there's always a story. Even the lives of the composers, which I talk about in my pre-concert lectures, you know, there's always some story that we can flesh out about the music, but I think this year we're just focusing on that and focusing on the different tales and fantasies that make up the creative spirit of these works. And, you know, for example, the last concert of our year, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, it has the great Ode to Joy text by Schiller, and so that informs how audiences listen to this music. So it's always there, really. It's it's I think it's there for every piece of music. There is an element of storytelling, but now we're going to shine a light on it, and hopefully it will enhance the experience for everyone. I love that. I remember when I was younger, actually still sometimes, when I listened to um, classical music, a lot of the time I like to imagine a story to it. So I think that will be really great to see an actual interpretation live. Noah, you're spot on. That is exactly the way I think about music as well, and the, and the way that 
some of my colleagues teach music. Very often when you're trying to engage with young people, you say, imagine what this music story might be. And I think you're right that listeners do that too. You know, you sort of let your mind go and fantasize, again, that fantasy element, about what this music might mean to you and what it might have meant to the composer and try to think about what it might have meant to the audience's first hearing it, even if it was written hundreds of years ago. So there's always that degree of imagination, and that's what we're hoping to play up this year. Yeah, that reminds me a lot of those two Disney movies, Fantasia and Fantasia 2000, where Mm. like, yeah, they took the classic music that so many people have heard, and they put a story to it, and so brilliantly animated. It was the final scene, Fantasia 2000, it was to Firebird, and Mm. I had heard that, that piece before, but it didn't really mean anything to me, and now... You know, seeing that scene and just how it's so fleshed out and tells such an intricate story with such beautiful details and everything. It just really makes it stick to your to your brain. And really, anytime that you hear that song again, you'll be thinking about that scene. So I think that's a beautiful way of using the art. You're absolutely right. And that, those Fantasia examples are among the most important in this experience that we're talking about of creating a visual art to complement the music itself. And the not the criticism, but the reality of those films, as iconic as they are, as they are, is that now I, for one, can't unsee some of that image. Uh. So every time I hear now, you know, for example, in the original Fantasia, uh, they do uh, Stravinsky's Rite of Spring to this great scene of dinosaurs. And there's something about the music that I never really thought had anything to do with dinosaurs, but now I, I can't see it. Or the Nutcracker Ballet, you know, the way that they have the, the dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies mm-hmm. and all of the different uh, characters illustrated with, you know, the dancing mushrooms and flowers and all of these things. <laughs> it's just the way that they, that they captured that was so brilliant and made a lot of sense. But you're right that the power of those images are extremely impactful and have the ability to stick around for generations. Speaking of which, what kind of experience do you want the audiences to have when they see these productions? Well, that's a good question, because we don't want to micromanage anybody's experience at the symphony. I think everyone comes at it in a different way. They may be there and close their eyes and just listen to the music, or it's all about who's around them and and what do they wear and where do they go out to eat. So I think that what we want is for everyone to understand that a night at the symphony is a -a once-in-a-lifetime event every single time. You're going to experience something new, something different, uh, whether you've heard the music before or not. And that's the beauty is that it's it's an all-encompassing experience that will change you. And we especially feel that way for young people. So we encourage um, families to bring young people and expose them to this great art form because live music has such an incredible impact on communities and on listeners, and we hope that for everyone this year. So you've already told us about some of the uh, productions. Which one are you most looking forward to? Oh, that's a good question. We have coming up here the final recital of our Biennial Young Artists Competition. And the winners of the Young Artists Competition will be performing with us in March of 2023 on a concert we're calling Pursuit of Perfection. As we know, musicians are perfectionists, and they, <laughs> young artists really embody that pursuit. But also on the program is the what's called the Organ Symphony of Camille Saint-Saëns, the French composer. This work is truly monumental, and it takes advantage of 
the organ that many people may not know is built in at the Civic Center for the Performing Arts in Idaho Falls. So we'll have a wonderful organ soloist as well as the full sound of the symphony orchestra and the winners of our Young Artists Concerto Competition all coming up in March. So that performance is going to be very special. But I would be remiss if I didn't say that our season closer, Beethoven's Night Symphony, is truly monumental and epic every time we play it. So that is also something I'm looking forward to. That one sounds amazing. Going to go out with a bang. It does go out with a bang. You know, Beethoven had that as his idea. Putting a chorus and soloists with a typical instrumental symphonic format was revolutionary in the 1830s. And here we have it in the night. Where are we? 2020s. You know, we are hundreds of years later, but still the power of this music is unbelievable. And you're right, it does send shivers down your spine towards the finale. It's truly unbelievable. One of the things that I love most about music is how it transcends so many different things between emotions, language barriers, time. Truly, exactly. We are in some ways here at the symphony connected to hundreds of years of history, cities across the globe, you know, the composers themselves. It really is an elaborate network and web of these ideas and experiences, places. It's remarkable. And I think we are also proud of the Idaho Falls Symphony. Again, 73 consecutive seasons. It's an amazing legacy and history. And everyone who's involved just looks forward to welcoming new members of the community into that symphony family. So there's something for everyone. It, it connects all of us, and we hope everyone can come and enjoy. And you said that you usually start planning in January, right? That's right, yeah, about a year in advance. Have you kind of begun thinking about what you'll be doing for the next season? Oh, that's a great question. I always have, so I have a long list of programs that I would like to see us do that factors in what has been successful in the box office, what challenges our orchestra, and that kind of a thing. And, and also, you know, what guest artists and friends I might like to feature and introduce to our community. So I've got my ideas rolling, Noah, but I, I haven't presented any of them to our organization just yet. But it's getting close, and, and you know, we're always looking for ways to uh, diversify our offerings, focus on, uh, you know, underrepresented groups, whether it's living composers, women composers, composers of color, etc. We, we really want to try to branch out, think outside of the box, and offer a full season, like this year, I think, that offers a very diverse musical offering. How long have you been involved with the Idaho Falls Symphony? This is my 12th year as music director, which is a wonderful milestone for us. So my audition for the orchestra was in January of 2011. And I came over from Munich, Germany, where I was living for that audition. And I think we knew right away that it was a great fit for me and my family and the orchestra to work together. So 12 years now, believe it or not. I think I read that you extended your contract as music director until 2025, right? That's right. 2025, I'm thrilled about that. I think it's a great commitment on the part of the organization, and we've got that continuing relationship. I'm thrilled about it. So, 2025, at least. What do you love most about working as music director? That's a good question. You know, the, the job of the music director has, of course, the performance and conducting aspect, and that is wonderful, and I love that so much, but it is the tip of the iceberg. I can tell you that the job entails a whole host of other responsibilities, whether it's managing the personnel, being involved with our fundraising efforts, just sort of being an ambassador for music education, etc. And the thing that I, I would say that I love most 
also is the relationships with the people. We have an incredible core of support in the Idaho Falls community and really all over Southeast Idaho. And the people that make the symphony possible, whether it's season ticket holders, donors, supporters, those folks are my family and friends. And I feel like we've just grown together and grown to love each other and the product. And there's a great pride in the symphony that really fulfills me. And in addition to that, the community extends, of course, to the next generation of symphony supporters and musicians, the young people of our youth orchestra program, our preparatory string orchestra program. The young people are an absolute inspiration for me. You know, we, again, 12 years in, some of the seniors in our youth orchestra program, I met when they were in kindergarten, and I've seen them go all the way through their education and blossom into the musicians that they are today. And so that kind of connection to the people of Idaho Falls is what I find most rewarding. Beautifully said. I feel inspired just listening to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. This has been great. Thank you very much, Noah. It's a pleasure. That was an interview with Thomas Heuser, the music director for the Idaho Falls Symphony. We talked about the symphony's current season, fantasy, and folklore. To see a list of shows and to buy tickets, visit ifsymphony.org. To listen to the interview again, you can subscribe to our podcast feed. Just search for BYU-Idaho Radio. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Weekdays. Madison Barton-Holloway had this hour's music, and I'm Noah Farley. Stay tuned for another episode of Weekdays on BYU-Idaho Radio, on Monday at noon and 6 p.m. Be informed. Be inspired. This is BYU-Idaho Radio.